Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. This is Funny Like a Clown Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Wirth. Episode 97, February 2nd, 2021. Getting out of the year 2020, a year we'd all like to forget. Uh, hey, as always, Funny Like Clown Podcast brought to you by G Vegas Buffalo Sauce. For the spicy, sweet, savory taste of game time, there's only one G Vegas available at www.gvegas.webs.com. Uh, we do comedy here, and on the phone, I got a guy who has made a name for himself on the Boston comedy scene. He was named Boston's best comedian by the uh, Improper Bostonian magazine. Will Noonan, welcome to the show. Hey, Dennis. How are you, man? Thanks for having me on the show. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on. So let's uh, let's set the precedence here. I mean, I've been having a lot of Boston comedy legends on the podcast here, and the the one question I ask him at the end is, you know, who's the guy to look for? Who's the next uh, generation of comedy? You know, to keep an eye out for and. Your name seems to pop up more than anyone, so how does that make you feel? That makes me feel really good. And, you know, I, I like, honestly, I, I want to make a joke as is the inclination of a comedian, but that's really nice uh, to hear in this in this town because, like, there's some amazing comedians in Boston. Like, sure. you know, not to bullshit, there's just some of the best I've ever met in my life live here in the city. and. And I look up to the, I look up to most of those guys, and uh, it means a lot to me. I don't take it lightly when they say stuff like that. So I actually really appreciate it. Not to start off on such a sentimental note, but I <laughs> right? But I mean, it's one thing if you can make the fans like you is one thing. But when your peers appreciate you, you know, when the people are doing what you do, say, hey, this is the guy to look out for right here. That's the next level of a compliment right there, you know. It's 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 uh, not too shabby, man. It's pretty nice. I lo I love those guys too, and you know it's not a joke that I learned a lot. I mean, I've been here for over ten years, and uh, I love those guys, and I've learned I've learned a hell of a lot watching them. Well, you're one of the smart ones because the ones that listen and learn, those are the ones that get ahead. They're the little smart asses <laughs> who think they know everything and they're going to tell you how to do stuff. Uh, they go nowhere yeah, except for well, shooting their mouth off know, on Facebooks about um, it. <laughs> to that to that point, like. Tony V, I feel like I learned from him every single time I work with him, and uh, even during this pandemic, we some of the first gigs back I, that I did were with Tony, and we were at like these outdoor uh, drive-in theaters and stuff like that. And I, you know, I came in with my own set of ideas about how I was going to do it after not doing comedy for three months. I was like, I'm going to have all this new material that I'm just going to blow them away with and they're going to I'm going to razzle dazzle them and Tony and I did okay and I had a good set and everything but then Tony went on after me and did like 45 minutes and it was Crushed like it. wall to wall awesome yeah, like Tony's killer. a master of the art yeah and it just made us all feel so good and I was like you know I'll never stop like I was kind of I was saying it to Drew Dunn who's, who's another guy I really like but I was like I go, you'll never catch up to Tony V, like, unless he just quits comedy. Yeah, he's got so many years at the yard. I mean, the only way you get that good is to have that many years in. So, I mean, you know. Exactly. 20, 30 down your years exactly. down the road, you'll be at his level and tell them there ain't much you can do but keep trying. But uh, that's the problem. Exactly. Most of these guys never retire. It's such a fun thing to do. So they do it till the day they die. <laughs> I know, man, which is fine by me, you know, it's like, uh... It's tough to like move I up, said, though, you know, it's like if they don't go anywhere, it's tough to move up in the game. It is, it is, it was, 
I used to bem- I used to really like bemoan that when I was a young when I was like first you know getting started in the featuring and stuff like that. But uh, you know, it's I think over the past like five years or so, you can't really say that as much anymore. Most of the guys that still do it are are really good and, and like deserve to. Yeah, there's a reason they're still doing it. Yeah, they're the best at what they do. There was a time, maybe maybe five, six, seven years ago, where there were a few kind of kind of fake headliners mixed into the thing who were getting work. But I think all those guys are tired. Yeah, yeah. They think if they can talk for forty five minutes to one hour, that makes them a headliner. Now, can you carry the crowd for forty five minutes to one hour? Is the question. Yeah, but exactly. That's that's the game we chose. Kind of hard there for a minute, but. All right, so uh, we got to start somewhere. Let's go to the beginning. How did you get started in comedy? Uh, I started down in New York. I'm from I'm from uh, Milton, Massachusetts, Boston. I grew up here, uh, but I was I moved to New York City in 2001 to uh, to be an actor, and then uh, go to acting school, and then uh, did that for a few years, a couple years, and then I started to get into uh, that that job is like. Yeah, yeah, it's a cutthroat business. You can't, in a sense, it's not harder to do, but it's harder to even practice it. You know what I mean? At least if you're a stand-up, you can go to open mics and and, uh, just get on stage. But if you're an actor, it's like you got to either get a gig or you got to get a group of people together and kind of create something. It's a it's a huge pain in the ass, you know. So Mm -hmm. I got I got this job. I've been working in bars. I was a bartender. I got this job hosting karaoke nights um, around the city. And uh, before I before I go on, like I was a huge fan of stand up my whole life. I grew up here watching Steve Sweeney and and Bill Burr. And and then when I was in New York, I saw Bill Burr again and Patrice. And I was just a, constantly going to see stand up all this time. But I just never considered it. For myself, yeah, I, I always uh, loved it. I didn't know how to get started. Eh? Like, you don't put in a job application to be a comedian. I was like, how do you how do you be a comedian? I didn't know. But go ahead. <laughs> exactly. What do you do? So, so I, I uh, so I was hosting karaoke there, which is you know it's a weird gig. You show up, you have four hours to fill, and usually the first hour, or so no one wants to sing any karaoke, so you kind of have to yeah. get it going. And I sort of developed some comedy skills doing that. And someone was like. You know, so a couple people were like, oh, you should try stand-up. And I was like, oh, you know, I've always wanted to. And I tried it, man. And as soon as I tried it, this was like in 2007 uh, <laughs> seven or so. And as soon as I tried it, I was like, man, I'm just, I, I, I loved acting. That's but this it, was right, like man. a thousand times more you than that. You knew that, that so. was for you. It's an addictive hobby. Once you get a few laughs, you can't wait to get back up there and get some more. But A hundred percent. Once I was in, I was in for life, so. That was that. I, that was the main focus as soon as I, I figured that out. Then, uh, Which, ironically, karaoke almost put comedy out of business for a while there. Instead of comedy nights, everybody was doing karaoke nights. You couldn't find a comedy night for a while. But... <laughs> Dick Doherty used to say that to me all the time. He, like, held, he, like, held it against me that I started in karaoke. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> so it's ironic <laughs> that you started started in something that almost put comedy out, and then you found comedy. So, so people were just know, telling you was... you were funny doing the karaoke, and that was it, yeah. Yeah, and I think, I honestly, I think it was this, I had a weird, I came in with a very weird skill set. I had been to, act, I'm like a classically trained, uh, like, actor, like in Shakespeare and all that shit. And then I was hosting these four-hour long comedy, uh, sorry, karaoke shows, but it was just me. So when I got to finally do stand-up and they were like, can you do seven minutes, can you do ten minutes, 
I was like, man, I'm up there for four hours. People throw stuff at me. People <laughs> like write death threats to me. Yeah. Like I could, I could take it. You know what I mean? So you were in ready a way, to it, go. it gave me a thick skin. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I started out with a guy. It's like in comedy, it's like he kind of wanted you to, you know, bomb so he could look good headlining the show. So he gave me like 15, 20 minutes starting out. I really didn't know what I was doing. You know, it's like. Then when I got yeah. to serious comedy, they only give you five, and it's like, well, I don't know how to do five. I do 15, 20. I'm like, well, not here you do, buddy, okay? That's I, awesome. I had to reinvent <laughs> myself for the five-minute mark and start over, but... Uh... That still happens, actually. And I, I, did, I got gigs like that myself, too. It's kind of funny when you start, if you're a good guy and you have a little bit of skill, like, you can get some, some gigs right away that you really aren't ready for. You know? Yeah, I had that happen, too, yeah. <laughs> You're headlining tonight, like, you know, and you don't want to tell them I'm not ready to headline. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it, okay, but looking back, uh, I really wasn't ready, but. I know, I, I took one in New York, uh, like in Long Island, like a headlining gig, and I was like, oh, you know, who cares if it goes, I had to try, I had to take it, you know, and uh, this was years and years and years and years ago, and man, I still think about it sometimes, I'm like, whoever those people are, whenever they see my name on a, on a comedy club calendar they must think i've seen that guy and he stinks <laughs> yeah right right you got to make up for, for back time right so all right <laughs> you're in the game 200 people back <laughs> you're getting going uh what's i mean uh, what are what are some of the big landmarks in your career you're most proud of oh wow uh that's a great question by the way no one that's that's like a question no one ever really asks which i think is a great <laughs> <laughs> i've been doing a podcast uh, for a while i'm learning my lesson just like in comedy i'm getting pretty good at it yeah that's like a that's a um I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of, uh, I've opened for Bill Burr. That's something I'm very proud of. Boston uh, legend, yeah. A couple times. And that's something that's sort of weird just because it sort of means a lot to me because I saw him as like a, as a high school kid and yeah. I, uh, I'm really even younger than that. And then I saw, I saw him at like all these stages in my life and then to become a comedian and then to open with him and kind of hang out with him talk comedy with him. Which May we all really be on the real. Mandalorian someday. I'm so jealous of him he got to do that. <laughs> yeah, all, I mean, oh my God. What a Star dream come true, yeah. I was like, it's unreal. Uh, that's pretty cool. Be, you know, being friends with Anthony from Opie and Anthony is one of my, like, proudest, I can't even believe that. Some, like, I've done radio with with uh, Artie Lang and Jim Norton and, and uh, you know, oh, yeah. Anthony, and that that's something I'm pretty... Well, they started in Boston, of. too. Yeah, those are Boston guys originally, yeah. Um, and, you know, like, another thing I'm really proud of, which is kind of silly to some people, but I'm very, you know, I get, you know, when I go up to Giggles and I'm hanging out with Tony V and Steve Sweeney and Lenny, and I, I look around and they're like, oh, hi, Will, and so I still, to this day... It's the I recognition, get, you know, right, yeah that I'm friends with those guys, you know what I mean? I, yeah. I um, you know, it's nuts. Like, I, I grew up watching them. I still I still look up to them, and it's... Uh, I know, you said it's a moment. I remember, yeah, I was a young comic. I walked in, I was doing, I think, an open mic at Giggles. I was a nobody. Then years later, yeah. I got the call from uh, Mike Clark, Lenny's brother. Hey, you want to book Lenny in your club? I'm like, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's like, you know, now I'm an equal, you know? It was just to, to be like that was cool. Yeah, my, my dad was a Boston cop for for 30 years and Steve oh. used to do a lot of the benefits that my dad oh, okay, would make yeah, me do yeah. and I was like eight years you know eight or nine years old you're under the table kicking uh, rolls around dinner rolls and stuff and Sweeney would be up there Sweeney's and it was like stage. the very first times I ever saw comedy hmm. Steve and, uh, 
and he's and he's a nice guy you know he's given me a lot of help like uh i remember the first time i did the boston comedy festival steve and tony they had never met me before and yeah. they both gave me really a lot of help uh, just because i was like yeah they're good like that steve was like that for me too I, I did a local television show i had to ask my friends to come on and he was nice enough to come on. Once I had him on, everybody wanted to get on the show. It was like, Sweeney did it? Yeah, I'll do it. It's like, so. Yeah, you know, he's, he's so not, cool. he's, a, he's not, a, he's not like stingy in any way like that. He's really a nice guy. He is a good guy, like, so. Yeah. So let's talk about your career a little bit. You're the spokesperson for a Honda. How did you get that gig? Oh, man. I, uh, I, I got it the, the same way a lot of, you know, actors get things. It was like a big process. I auditioned, uh, a bunch of times i i had been on a nice run for a couple years of doing commercials but i've been booking a lot of commercials uh, here and there for like staples and ocean spray and, and some other things so now, were these like cattle calls you had to go out and stand in line to get the to try out for these gigs or uh not these ones in my early days i definitely did that but i can get calls i get emails now uh you know you've got I, enough I, they're looking for you specifically now right yeah, I mean, especially, you know, in Boston, it's not that bad. Like, uh, you know, there's there's not that many actors in general here, and then you break it down to type, like age, guy, you know what I mean? It's like there's pretty much 30 or 40 guys who go out for the same things. But with the, with the Honda thing, it was they didn't know really what they wanted. They didn't know if they wanted a man or a woman or whatever. They They were just kind of looking at a bunch of different people, so... I honest to God never really thought I was going to get it. It was only supposed to be for one commercial anyway. Right, yeah. So I, so I was like, yeah, you know, and then I you got must it. Have and, him, and yeah, then, if you got the gig, you must have did something, right? I know, and then I ended up getting the gig and it, it was a really really like uh, fun experience making it. And the people that, you know, made it and me really got along really well full contact advertising and then uh, that was like 3 years ago and then we just kept for a while, we just kept doing another one and another one and another yeah, one. Yeah, that's the that hardest thing is getting your foot in the door. Once your foot's in the door, then you can start to make you know little things happen and big things happen. So. Yeah, and uh, it's been great. It's funny how every you know, you know how it goes. Like everything cycles into itself. Like yeah, once those yeah, started yeah. airing more, people see you more, and they're like, oh, you know, let's give him a call. He's funny. He's a nice guy. Well, I went up to Boston casting once, and I tried out for a role on Comedy Central, and. It was only about, it was a big guy, they needed a big guy, I'm a big guy, they needed like a town enforcer for some old show they were doing back in the Pilgrim days or whatever, so, I yeah. showed up, there's only like 10 of us there, I'm like, wow, I got a 1 in 10 shot, so we're all sitting on the bench, and the lady comes <laughs> out, she don't even take who's first in line, she walks down like, you and you, come in first, it's like, well, who the hell do they know, it's like, I knew right then something was in, they knew somebody, Yeah. they're pulling people I out remember, of line. I remember the day, I mean, I've been, I've been doing the that auditioning stuff really honestly since i was like 14 years old and uh, mm -hmm. i remember sometime around <laughs> sometime around like four years ago four or five years ago they started being nice to me they were like oh well how are you here come on in Will. Yeah, you, you, you're finally seeing your like, face well, enough you were a regular right i was like wow it only took like 20 years finally you <laughs> recognize me all right so uh <laughs> well other than that you're part of uh the netflix movie the sleepover tell us a little bit about that Oh, you know, I don't know how I left that off my my proudest achievements list because that's another thing that I'm, you know, that that just got so wrapped up in the pandemic and everything like that. I almost barely noticed that it came out, but that was super cool. I actually did get that through the same exact agency 
in Boston that got me the Honda commercials. And that's like the future of comedy is Netflix. It ain't, it ain't TV anymore. You get on these online things, that's the big, big thing now. Yeah, it's the future of everything, man. They, uh, they have a lot of money. Like I was, I noticed, I noticed the way I've been on a lot of sets in my life, and I noticed that the way they. They really had no care for money. They they weren't worried about it at all. You know, yeah, like, they right. were like, so, "Oh, we got money." Like, so, what is the sleepover Netflix. about? What is it? Tell us what is it. What's the premise? The sleepover is kind of like a Goonies type of movie mixed with James Bond. It's these these four kids. They're having a sleepover, and they figure out that their mom is a spy. She's in trouble, and they got to rescue her. Okay. So where and do you where I do you play, fit in the whole thing? <laughs> I sort of get in their way a little bit uh, while they're trying to wrestle. Oh, I see. Her. Okay. But they trick me, and uh, they fool me. All right, so they're... it's on Netflix now. They can find it if they go looking for it? Yeah, you can find it. And uh, I'm in the last, like, third of the movie. Sometimes people go, I don't want to watch this whole movie, but I want to see you. So I say, just watch, like, the last half hour. <laughs> there you go, yeah, so... So you mentioned Bill Burr already, but uh, you did, what, the Oddball Comedy Festival with Amy Schuber and Hannibal Burris and Sarah Silverman and... I mean, well, what's it like rubbing elbows with these guys? Because I, I did a set at the Gotham once, and I was on the late show, and I'm just standing in the green room looking at my uh, cell phone. I look up, and I'm standing next to Jerry Seinfeld and Jim Gaffigan. They were on the early show, and we crossed in the green room, and I was like, whoa, okay. And everybody's like, did you get a picture? I'm like, no, I couldn't be the guy. Well, everybody's going to ask if I ask. You can't do that. Nobody got it. So, But what's it like working yeah. with these big names? Oh, man, it's always very cool. I mean, it, it's something I've... I wouldn't say I've gotten used to it, but in a weird way I have. Like right before the pandemic started, I was—I had the same thing happen to me. I was at the stand in New York, and there's all these guys from Saturday Night Live walking around. Right. And, uh, and um, but I'm on the same show, so I'm like, I'm like, hey, you know, like, whatever it is, what it is. But I know exactly what you mean. Like one time I was at the stand in New York, and I was like—I mean, I was at Stand Up New York, and I was like, Chris Rock has spoken it this microphone i know it he was here yeah, last night yeah. you know what i mean like uh when you see guys like that it just it blows you away but in a weird way uh i don't know i'm trying to think of different, different you learn they're human like you you know because you always look after them as the big stars then when you meet them but after you meet enough you realize they're just guys like me and you got a good break and hit lightning in a bottle you know yeah i was gonna say you know the people who i normally I, with with comedians and stuff, I sort of just get it now. Even though I will admit, Sarah Silverman, you mentioned her. You mentioned her. Yeah. When I saw Sarah Silverman, I was kind of like, she's like, she's just really beautiful in person. Right. And I was like, oh, I was like, holy shit, you know. Um, That's a guy thing, anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But another one was, uh, I get kind of geeky and, and nervous when I meet the athletes. Like when I meet the, when I met like Gronk, I was like, this guy's like, like younger than me, but I feel like. I'm like talking to a real man, you know, and I'm yeah. like, what's up, Gronk, dude? Like, I want to, I want you to like me, man. <laughs> I had Jimmy Walker. I was hanging out. I booked Jimmy Walker, and he's in town. We're driving. He's like, well, stop by the store. I got to get something. And we're walking around the supermarket, and I'm following him around like a five-year-old kid. Like, what are we going to get next, Dad? Finally, like, Dennis, get away from me. Yelled at me. Like, All right, I get it. I get it. I finally, I went outside and walked for him. But, I mean, I was just <laughs> thrilled to be Jimmy around Walker him, you know. Before. Actually, and uh, it's funny, man. I know exactly what you mean. Sometimes when you go on the road with a guy, especially, it's like you're just his, you just follow him around the whole week. I was like, "What are we doing for lunch?" The guy was like, "I don't know. Do what you're gonna do. I'll see you." Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. I'll see you at the see show. You at the right. Show. Yeah. <laughs> 
Alright, so when I grew up, MTV was the thing. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, they don't even play music videos anymore, but they do have some popular shows. Ridiculousness, this is one, and you were on that, so how did you land that yeah. gig and tell us about it? Alright, so th this is this is a super weird thing that happened, and I, I always tell people, this is how you know, no, nothing is ever wasted in your whole career, no matter what you do, because um, I was just sitting on my ass like a week, like a, like a few months ago, and I get this Instagram message from MTV. And I, it, what's funny is I was on MTV real quick, right when I first started in 2007, like, like, like I've been doing comedy two months. I was on MTV for a couple seconds. Oh. Um, just like talking, it was so weird. They, they used to come, they used to grab people out of clubs and they'd have you make fun of a video and then they'd, they'd, they'd show, it was kind of like the beginning of Geico, but anyway, uh, I'm sitting on my couch. I get an Instagram message from MTV. It's the, their verified accounts and everything. And it's like, we want to use one of your old vines from like four years ago on an episode of ridiculousness. And, you know, we'll give you like 500 bucks. Wow. And I was like, oh. I was like okay. How did they so come like, across that from four years ago? Wow. It was so weird, and it wasn't even one of the. I did have some very popular vines and some yeah, famous right, right. ones and stuff, but it wasn't even one of those. So that's what one um, you weren't even expecting. It just happened out of nowhere, huh? Just came right out of nowhere. So I was like, oh, that's great, you know, in a year where nothing's going on. And I also said, you know, I'm a comedian. I could just come down there <laughs> and and watch it live and comment on it. And they were like, well, we don't even have anyone on the show anymore. We just air the clips. Yeah. So I was like. That's a comedian and you're trying to parlay it into something bigger, man. That's good thinking right there. I like that. Yeah. Always. Right? <laughs> Always. And I got a couple guys I can bring down. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. making it into a big thing here, all right. So <laughs> So Always. also you were on Laughs on Fox TV, I guess. Tell us a little bit about it. I don't even know what Laughs is, but tell us about it. That was really cool. That was one of those, you know how it is. Like, this is how I knew we were in kind of another comedy boom a little bit because these, like, TV shows were popping up left and right like you know these five minute do five to seven or do ten minute spots um and last was one of the ones that was actually pretty good and it got picked up it was on fox and it was on then it was on hulu and now it's on amazon prime i think but it's it's uh it was cool and it's like a really nice set and it's uh and it was one of those things where you know i've, I've only done two or three national so, so what is it? Just your stand up, or is what? What is the show exactly? Yeah, it's, it's stand up. Yeah, oh, okay, so some of your stand up good on the show. Okay. Yeah, it's like a stand up showcase type of show. Um, the way they do it is they have like sets. They they would set up. Um, they would set up a like at, at a show in New York, a show in L.A., a show in Texas, and and then film everyone, and then they'd cut them together into one hour. So how did they find you out of all the comics out there? I don't know. It was one of those, uh, probably, it was probably one of those, like, they kind of picked up a bunch of us from Boston. It was like me and Corey Rodriguez, and, uh, I think Tony hosted it, actually, and, uh, trying to remember. But it was, it was one of those random kind of, I, I imagine it had to do with John Tobin and, and, and Laugh Boston probably set that up. Well, I mean, you're in your way into rubbing, you know, elbows with the biggest names in Boston comedy, and you do that long enough, something good's bound to happen, right? Yeah, I've been lucky. I've been lucky uh, to. I mean, you know, it's a, it's like a good town. I think if you're, if you're 
if you work hard, you know. If you're a hardworking comic, the older the older people or the people that have been here a long time, like they respect that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even if you're like, <laughs> there's some guys who drive them crazy, and and I know they still work them because they're funny guys who work hard. So <laughs> yeah, I'm like, if, if I can do that, I, I can. A lot of young that. comics ask me that. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna work twice as hard as a guy ahead of you? That's the only. I mean. If you ain't willing to put on the work, you're not going to get anywhere, you know? Yeah, it's, it's hard. I mean, people, uh, you you, under, you understand, it's like people really want to see the end result. Like, oh, man, you know, you got the best job in the world, and uh, you get paid to joke <laughs> around. It's like, dude, for like a solid decade, I was making no yeah, money. You, you don't know what like, it took to get there, right? <laughs> yeah, everyone's telling, everyone's giving you the side sideways eye at family parties like he's a loser or he's making no money you know what i mean it's yeah, yeah, yeah. he thinks he's a comedian you know that's the road you travel well here's yeah. one i mean I, I guess every comedian was keeping an eye on this when it was going on um they had gotham in new york city which is one of the biggest clubs down there they were doing a uh, comedy live and i guess you were on one of the shows how did you finagle your way into that one every comedian would have liked to have been on that one that was a really cool gig i must say uh and now I got that one randomly from, dude, so this is how random, con you know, everything you do matters. So remember that show Community Auditions? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So Sweeney was a judge I, on that, wasn't he? Who? Sweeney, Steve Sweeney. He was a judge for a while. He, he was a judge on yeah, that. Yeah, he yeah. was a judge. He was a judge on the one that I was on. And Joyce Colhaywick, too, was the other judge. Um, so I went on that show. I came in second place. Right. Yeah. And se second place was a, a feature spot at Levity Live in New York uh, State, like which uh -huh. it's like a, it's like an hour outside of the city. So I, anyway, I win this feature spot. They they're the same people that own Gotham. So I win the feature spot that weekend. I featured for Orny Adams, and from that gig, I ended up. Um, getting a headlining spot later on at Levity, which ended up getting me on the Anthony Cumia show and being friends with him. And also I got the Gotham thing through those guys too. So it was all like from this, I a little thing like, turned into something big. Wow. Community auditions? Like that's corny. Da da da. You know what I mean? And then Who knew, right? <laughs> I got all this stuff from doing that. You never know what, what's going to lead to what, you know, that's even these big stars, they say they hit lightning on a bottle. You never know when it's going to happen. And, Little it's really true, and, big. and wow. you never know. I always tell this to people too. Like, you never know who's gonna see something uh, that you did. You know, you might you might think it's people are like picky at the beginning of their career. You know, I don't know if I want to do commercials, or I don't know if I want to do uh, this or that. And I'm like, dude, just do everything. Do whatever people offer, and you'd see be surprised if one, someone yeah. sees you in a commercial, they might want to put you in a movie or something else. Like it. One thing doesn't equal another, you know, just right. get out there. Well, you mentioned movies. That leads me into my next question here. Uh, I guess you're an international comic. You're known in Europe. And forgive me if I mispronounce this, correct me, but uh, for part of the Katie Ford film series? Well, that's, yeah, that's uh, All right. correct pronunciation. So, tell us about that. Shown in Germany, Spain, France on PBS. And we all grew up watching Sesame Street, so if you're on PBS, that's a, a good thing. But how did that come about? It's another random sort of acting story. I, I auditioned for it. Uh, they film these German movies. They're, they're more like Lifetime movies. Uh, they're just these romantic kind of 90-minute TV movies. 
uh, and they film them even though they're they're set in New York City usually or Cape Cod, and they film them here okay. in Boston and uh, and on Cape Cod, and, and and they kind of pretend it, it's New York, and uh, they film usually three full movies in one summer, and they they did it for years here in Boston. I, I think they still do, and uh, I just. The funny thing about Germans is they don't really have. They can't. First of all, they can't fly the entire cast. They'll they'll fly like the stars over here, but the mm-hmm. rest of the small parts they fill with local people, people and then they here. dub our voices over. Now, and, is there uh, any way people here could see this, or is it just airing over there? Is there online anyway? It's online. They're on YouTube and, and okay. they're uh, they're on my website, uh, willmayer.com, but they're not. They don't air here. Uh, but okay, so you've never actually traveled over and performed in Europe and all these places. It's just no, it just shows there. I've okay, never... so they're filming I, I mean, over I've here and they're showing. I've been to Europe, but I didn't do stand up there. I oh, I see. Okay. okay. <laughs> but this, uh, this acting like these. So I was, I was in like three or four. No, I was in three of these uh, German soap operas. So it was like every once in a while, a German person will stop me. Or a Spanish person will stop me and like in downtown crossing and recognize me from one. <laughs> oh well, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. happened to me once with my mom. They're like, "You done a swath of the comedy kitchen? Like, Can I get a picture with you?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure." So my mother's like, "That's so cool." I'm like, "Yeah, oh, you say so." Yeah. One, yeah. One time I was on a date with a girl uh, years ago, and a guy did that, and I was like, "Man, I could kiss you, man." Yeah, yeah. I made you like, look good on a date, right? <laughs> yeah, that's good for you. <laughs> I was like, I could give you fucking 50 bucks. All right, here's your 20 bucks. You earned it, man. All right, thanks, right? (laughs) All right, well, yeah, I didn't know. I mean, somebody's played. I mean, I guess Germany, Spain, France. Well, even Spain, I don't know. I mean, I was looking at my stats for the podcast. I found out that 5% of my listener base is in Israel. I didn't even know comedy was a thing in Israel. That blew my mind. I'm like, I didn't even know they could understand English or what I mean. Uh. Hey, well. there you go. You never know. That's exactly what I was saying. You never know where somebody <laughs> yeah, somewhere. Yeah. I have a lot of people in, in England and the UK. There's a lot of uh, Ireland and England has a huge stand-up comedy fan base right now. Yeah, I had uh, Eddie Brill from the, the David Letterman show. He said he oh, loves yeah. performing in Ireland. He said that's his favorite place in the, the world to perform. And I said, do they get all the references? Have you ever had to explain a joke? And he said, no, they know us better than we know them. Was, well, all right. Yeah. Who that, knew? That's Who knew? All right, so you brought it up a couple times. Let's talk about it now. You're a regular on the Anthony Cumia show, uh, formerly of Oprah and Anthony. But, uh, I mean, the Oprah and Anthony show, that was one of the biggest shows. Started out, I think it was WAAF, right? Then they went to New York, and yeah, somebody was having great. sex in a church or something. <laughs> they got thrown <laughs> off the air there. And yeah. Now yeah. they're on uh, satellite radio, but, I mean, he's one of the biggest guys in radio. How did that all come about, and what's it like being on that show? It was, uh, it came about from the first time I was on was just one of those promotional, I was headlining Levity Live and they were like, do you want to, you know, can you promote it by doing this show? And I was like, absolutely. Like, I was like, I'm a huge fan. Of yeah, I'm going to turn that down right now, right? Sure. Yeah. So they, they didn't even know that I was, I, they had a booker. She's not there anymore, but they had this booker, Allie, who was, she was like a really big fan of stand-up and she knew she could tell who would be good on that show she was really good so she, anyway it was like a love at first sight thing i had a great time on the show uh me and anthony hit it off right away me and his, just everyone who works there I, I just really got the vibe and and, and and enjoyed the hang and then um so that became a regular thing and and, and i really 
owe him a lot in that shell a lot because between them and uh, Kaz and AJ in Connecticut, like I'm all, I've been, I was doing well here in Boston, but between those two guys, like they really gave me a, a lot of more exposure into like Connecticut and Anthony more to like the rest of the whole you yeah, know country. Yeah, that's national exposure yeah. right there. Yeah. So you're regular. How I mean, how often do you get on the show? Uh, I mean, really, when I when before the pandemic, I was I was going on almost once a month, you know. But now, once every few months, I yeah, slow down a little now, right? So, so is Jim but Norton a part lot. of that or no? Jim Norton? Yeah, he's a regular uh, guest, and for a while, Artie Lang was the co-host, and like it, it was uh, like I've been on there with Bobby Kelly, I've been on there with. Uh, you know, I mean, just so many different people. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the craziest time was when I was on with Jim Norton and Artie Lang and Anthony, and I was like, I can't even believe I'm like this. Pinch me, pinch me, people. is this happening? <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Those yeah. are the moments you gotta remember. That makes you a better comic, though, you know. So you know you're doing oh, something right when you hit a moment like that, right? Well, yeah. And if it wasn't for hanging out with Lenny and Steve and Tony, I probably wouldn't have known what to what to do but i was like i'll just shut up and laugh and yeah, occasionally yeah. toss something in <laughs> smart move smart move all right so we mentioned yeah. the internet's the future of comedy here but uh you got a youtube show called the noonan show tell us what's that all about yeah that's every thursday at noon that is uh me and my friend paul uh do this show it's just like kind of a podcast talk show we talk about the news and joke around for an hour it's uh it's pretty light but um it's good. You know, my friend Paul does an amazing job with the production. We got a nice, if you watch it on YouTube, it's a beautiful looking show. And it's, uh, a lot of people watch it while they work around the house or just chill during the day. And uh, it's been growing. We have a we have a big Patreon audience now. So do you have a subject uh, matter that you talk about or what, what is it? Just anything we goes? We sort of or? talk about, at the, the first 10 minutes, I kind of just talk about what's going on with my life or whatever. And then after that, we'll just talk about like, you know, the, the news stories of the day. And then we have a segment called Speaker of the Blouse where we where we talk about a beautiful a woman who's over 60 that's still hot. It started with Nancy <laughs> Pelosi because we realized oh, that Nancy Pelosi has an amazing rack even though she's like 85 years old. So <laughs> we, we Only things a guy would notice. The huh? <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, um, now is that separate? Because I know you also got an iTunes podcast called Highly Pathetical High with Will yeah, so that that's kind of on hiatus right now, but that's my podcast that I was doing for years just by myself, and uh, I will bring that back soon. But so did you I have guests on, or was it just you stuff. just talking about stuff yourself? That the, hypothetically um, was a podcast. It's like it's actually very cool because it's it's old and it starts out when I, I started doing it when I was an MC and a feature, and it kind of and I did it you know every week as I was kind of moving up. And it it's kind of like talks about what what that's like. And you can follow the adventures just listen to that. How you got to where you are now, right? Yeah, a lot of people still. I haven't put out an episode in like a year, and it still gets a ton of downloads. How many episodes did you do? Oh yeah. How, how many episodes did you do when you did do it? How many did you have in? Oh, uh, hundreds. I don't even know. Like mm-hmm. I think three hundred or something. Oh, I mean, I did it for years. So you did it for a while. <laughs> I would do it when I was driving gigs. <laughs> in my car like I would do it um started off doing it on my phone and then I moved up to a nicer recorder and uh I I honest to god I heard Bill Burr say on it was it was early in podcasting it was Bill Burr and Joe Rogan were doing an interview and 
and Bill Burr said, oh, this podcast has just made me so much better at stand-up. Like, I, it, they are taking over, like, yeah. Yeah, he's like, and that's all I needed to hear. I was like, well, all right, if Bill Burr does this to get good, I'll do it, too. Good enough for me, yeah. Why are there so yeah. many podcasts? Because that's what everybody's listening to. That's why, I mean. Exactly. Even look at yeah. Joe Rogan. They said Joe Rogan, he has more people that tune in than the Tonight Show has access to, even if they wanted everybody to tune in. So, not oh, talking about a worldwide yeah, I mean, base. That's the way to go, right? Yeah, I mean, he's got better advertising numbers than anybody right now <clears> on <throat> Earth. Yeah, what was it, 100 million to move to Spotify? May we all be so lucky. I'm selling Buffalo sauce. I love Gina. You're next. You're next. <laughs> you never know. I'm having fun anyway. But, maybe, uh, maybe 50 million. Maybe I'll get to Israel someday and check out my listener base over there. Who knows, you know? But um, Exactly. Well, you did a daring thing because the day of the comedy album is gone, but you put out some comedy albums. How, what are those called, and how successful have those been for you? Those, those do all right. I mean, I'm glad they're there as a, uh, like you said, the days of a comedy album are kind of over, but I was like... Yeah, I, the free I, downloading, I like, you can't make no money off them, so people aren't doing them anymore. Yeah, exactly. I, I grew up listening to them, though, and I'm proud of the two that I have. Uh, the first one I did in 2013, um, I knew it was kind of like that stage. I was like, I'm just done with all this stuff as a comedian. I'm like, I, I'm not, I'm like getting, I'm getting better at comedy. So I was like, I just want to like <laughs> get this stuff recorded and have it. Right. And it ended up being a good thing. I got a, I got my first one. They're both on Sirius XM, and they both get played a lot. But uh, there's still a good advertisement to the right. I mean, you know, if you're on Sirius, you're getting out there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, there's a f couple good tracks on both of them, and uh, yeah, I'm real proud of them. And I really think when I'm an old when I'm an old man sitting on the porch, I'm gonna love listening to those. Yeah, yeah, you'll be remembered. Even you know, your, your work your work lives forever. You know, you don't, but your work does. But um. How did you get it on yeah. Sirius? Was that through the Open Anthony show with connections to them, or how did you get it? No, the that was, um, you know, that was another thing, the little little moments in life. I was in, in 2010, I was in the Boston Comedy Festival, and a young intern there, this kid, in, this kid, he was like, a, he was my age, but he was, he was like, young. He, he interviewed me for Sirius XM because of the, because uh, of the Comedy Festival, and he was like, hey, after the interview was over, he was like, just for the record, I think you're really funny. Like, if you ever want to send me something, um, don't be, you know, don't be shy about it. So I was like, okay. So then I, I, rec I recorded the album, and I was like, I have an album. He's like, okay. He put it on for me, and I, like, before I knew it, it was, it was on the air. So what's the name of the album? The first one is Surprise-O. Surprise and the second one is Hypothetical. I named it after the... Uh, yeah, I remember I was working with Chance Langdon, who's another Boston guy, and it's like, geez, I, I worked a bunch of shows with him, then I'm listening to Sirius one day, and his name come on my dashboard, I'm like, Chance, that's Chance, he's on Sirius, get out, I'm like, that was oh, the yeah, coolest it's, thing, it's, yeah. It's, dude, it's, it's wild, and it's a cool thing they do for us comics, I think, a lot of people, uh, the people who are diehard still listening to stand-up comedy in their car, like, that's how they listen to a lot of people, listen. a lot of people who have come to see me, like, say, oh yeah, I heard you on Sirius and I saw your name like uh, on a flyer so I came. Great advertisement like, wow. too, yeah. yeah. Alright, so you're busting your ass in Boston, you're busting your ass in New York, you're worldwide, things are going good for you, you're rocking and rolling, comedy's your thing, boom, this pandemic hits and puts us all out of business. What's that been like for you? Uh, it's been shitty. Um, <laughs> I think I'm lucky. I, I consider myself really, really lucky. Uh, I'm luckier than most, really. I got this gig with Honda, so I've been 
you know, at, at first nothing was happening, but I, I can at least, I was at least doing the radio spots for them, and uh, we we managed to film a couple spots. So, like, I still had a lot. I a lot of guys lost a hundred percent of their income. Yeah, I right. You know, lost a portion. <laughs> so, I mean, have you done any live shows at all? Or I mean, I know they got the online shows now, where they got the parking lot yeah. shows where they beep their horns or flick their lights. Is that for you, or not something you get involved? I've with? done them all. I've done them all. I've done every yeah. type of show there is. I've yeah. done. Uh, the parking lots with the cars i've done the empty clubs with the cameras i've even i've gone up to new hampshire a bunch and done real i've done movie theaters full of people that's like in new hampshire that's allowed yeah uh, so how, how's that adjustment i mean what's it like doing an online show is say compared to a regular show it's really hard it's not you know it's not even close to the same yeah. like as when you do the one in your when you do the one in your house where like you can kind of hear them laughing it's a little bit nice yeah. but when you're when you can't hear anything it's really weird now what about the parking uh, lot shows when you hear somebody honk or something i mean is that weird or do you think it's cool or it was kind of listen i'm gonna i don't want to be down on anything because like we got it we had to do what we had we to do deal? yeah absolutely and, and like the i did a few different ones and it kind of really depended on the setup like i did one that was kind of down in rhode island and it was sort of a small movie it was a small drive-in so it was kind of not that big, but then I did the one at Foxborough, and it was like, I mean, there were so many cars. Really? And I, I remember thinking to myself, and I, and I think I had a good set, like it didn't go bad or anything like that, but I just remember thinking to myself, there was a moment, I was like, this is like the most surreal thing, man. Like, I'm going to remember this to the day I die. Like, yeah, right. I'm looking out at, I'm looking out at 200 pairs of headlights. <laughs> it's weird now, but it's going to be all those memories. You want to hear a story back in the day, man? You, you're not going to believe this shit, man. <laughs> that's exactly, that's what I've been telling the yeah. comedians. I'm like, you know, they're really bummed out. Like, I, I, more than anyone, imagine if you had just started, you know, emceeing, if you were just getting going, you know? Right. Those guys are so bummed out. And I'm like, well, if, at least you're going to be able to say to everyone who starts after this, you're going to be like, man, you don't know what, how bad Back it is. Day, we, yeah. were, we were in drive-ins. We were in empty rooms, you know. Yeah, I got a buddy of mine. He does comedy classes. I saw he just did a class, and I'm like, well, how do you do a graduation night? You can't do nothing. I don't know. I feel bad for the students more than anybody. Like, you I know. know. You look forward acting, to it. But... I, my, my buddy's taking acting classes online. I'm like, how does that... I mean, part of acting is the other person, you know? Yeah, how, playing how off each work, other. Well, who knows? It's a weird time, it's but like you said, we all got to deal with it, so... Well, that's what I was going to say. It's kind of like it is what it is, right? It's like, it's better. It's all better than nothing. Better than I was going to say. Better than nothing, right? The alternative's nothing, so do yeah. what we got to do. All right, so someday... Uh, you know, Eddie Brill said it perfectly. Comedy always survives. Someday we're going to be back to normal. But, I mean, we talked about how you got started. We talked about what you've done. What's in your future? What, I mean, is there anything you hope to accomplish say, before you uh, hang it up in comedy? Or what are your big goals? Well, I hope I never really hang it up, like you said. I, I, I hope it's too fun to hang up, I know. But, I mean, before, <laughs> let's say comedy hangs you up. You get too old, you can't do it. I mean, well, what do you no. want to accomplish before that happens? I don't know. I got some goals uh, for the for the next couple of years. I want to do, we've got some plans right now for of doing a, kind of a, a special for for Netflix or something like that. So I'd, I'd like to get something like that going. Um, I got a couple, see, I got a couple things like in the works right now. So I'm just hoping to get those things going. That, that's Anything you want to announce here on Funny Like a Clown podcast? What are you going? 
Yeah, well, first of all, this was one thing I can already check on my, off my list. I was like, you know, hang out with Dennis. Uh, <laughs> hang out with Dennis. Wirt, That's it. You've been like, on Funny Like a Clown podcast. It's downhill from here, Will. It's downhill. Yeah, you know, so, I mean, I can <laughs> check this off. I'm already off to a good start, 2021. There you go. Uh, but, yeah, I got some things happening. I hope hopefully get a nice little special out, something of my own. But I I also filmed a uh, independent film during the pandemic uh, that's that's going to be out. It's a full 90-minute movie. I'm one of the stars of it. It also stars Corey Rodriguez and Orlando Baxter. And uh, that's going to be coming out on, like, Amazon or Netflix or something. I think that'll be cool. I yeah, there's like something that. to watch out for. So it's not just stand-up you're interested in. I mean, you'd want to do the movies and, say, the talk shows or whatever whatever yeah, came I along. Mean, yeah. on, one thing I've learned during this, man, is, like, stand-up is the core of everything. It's like... Without the stand-up, nothing else is as good. You know, like, I'm a, I'm a good actor or whatever, and I love doing it, and I'm good in the commercials, but I'm, when I, like, stand-up is, like, the food that gives me uh, life and make, make, gives me sustenance. We all grew up listening to it. I was filming a commercial, and I go, yeah, this is good, and we're doing well, but if I had just done stand-up, you know, like last night, it'd yeah. be twice as good. Right, right, right. Well, right um... But, man, you know, none of it, you know, there's nothing like a live crowd, okay? You can do whatever you want. There's nothing like a live crowd. There's only one thing, and that's it. Um, exactly. exactly. All right. So you're doing all these shows with these other guys. I mean, I asked all the Boston comedians who was the guy to watch, and they said you, but you're in with all these guys. Who, who are some of the other comics <laughs> you, you admire? Who would you say? Who would you want us to watch? I was going to say, should I return? I just young guy, Tony V. I think he's really all the way. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, he's not a young no. guy. He's a veteran comic, but I mean, for the up-and-coming comics, who's the guy you think they can keep an no, eye there's, on? I, well, so I also I used to host the show on, uh, before this at uh, Capo. That was a real, a lot of the young kind of up-and-coming guys with these spots there. So uh, I think Andrew Del Volpe is a guy. He's he he's open for me a bunch. I think he's super funny. Okay. Uh, there's this dude, Rafi Gonzalez who's from Western Mass, who's finally kind of getting noticed now. He's super funny. Um, Tookie Kavanaugh, um, Dan Hall, Jimmy Cash, Jonathan Tilson. There's a lot. There's like, I actually think it's funny, you know, as we were talking about, there's a lot of legends here in Boston. And uh, they're getting old or whatever, or some of them, but like you were saying, but it's like, they'll never be a time where they're not. They'll be saying that about me and, and, and Corey pretty soon because <clears throat> there's just more and more funny people coming. Like, that that was kind of one of the things that bummed me out the most about this pandemic. I was like, you know, like, Boston Comedy was about to get really, really funny again. Uh, yeah. not, not that it ever wasn't funny, right. but there were a lot of good new people coming out. Well, there's more comics than there is comedy. That's kind of why it got to be cutthroat, because, you know, there were more comics than there were shows, and everybody was competing for it. It turned into a cutthroat business where you wish everybody could be friends. Instead, there's circles, and if you're in that circle, you can't work for this one, and it's kind of childish, but that's the way it is, you know? Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's not as much like that anymore, I don't think, but there's different types of bullshit now, you know? It's just like, who's friends? I mean, I guess it's all the same. It's that kind of thing never changes. Yeah, that's that's, that's been going on forever in comedy. All right, well, I got my yeah. final question for you here. Um, 
you know, I, I started out with a lot of guys, and I, I ain't tooting my own horn, but I've done a lot better in comedy than they have, and I told them, you know, <laughs> ain't because I'm funnier than anybody else, it's because I outwork everybody, I, I work twice as hard, but I mean, you're obviously doing something right if all this good stuff happened for you, so if another young comic came up to you and said, well, what's your advice, well, what advice would you give them? Oh, man, uh, that's, uh, well, people do ask me that all the time, and I think it, the, the advice is very simple, and no one ever wants to hear it, but it's, uh, it's just, you just gotta get up on stage as much as possible. Uh, if it's, you know, an open mic night, if it's like a, someone asks you to host, you know, their band is playing a show, an auction, anything you can do to sort of get yourself really comfortable in front of people is good because that's the thing your friends see and oh you should do comedy you know when your friends are telling you you're funny and you should just stand up you got to make it so you're as comfortable around a crowd of people as you are in front of your friends that can take years so you better get started and start today that's what i always tell people there it is mike time mike time mike time good advice all right, Will Noren, thank you so much for being on Funny on Clown Podcast. I appreciate you taking the time out, and I wish you luck in the future. Dennis, thank you, man, and I, I hope to see you soon, man. Uh, I hope, hopefully we'll see each other in person. Uh, you know, and I hope they give you a big hug and a kiss. I hope so. Someday <laughs> we'll be back to doing what we all love to do. When this pandemic gets by, we'll be back someday. I'll see you then, Will. Exactly. Thanks, man. I'll right. see you soon, brother. Be good. Bye-bye. All right, Will Noonan, Boston comedian, making a name for himself, and uh, hey, outworking everybody on the scene, and good things are happening for him, and that's why, because when you work hard, things happen for you, and if you sit by the phone waiting for it to ring, you know, you can look outside and see a gloomy day, or you can look outside and see a bright sun shining day, it's, it's, it's nothing to do with the day, it's what's inside of you, it's how you want to look at things, so... Uh, be positive, positive things are going to happen. Be negative, negative things will happen. It's all up to you. This is Final Call Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Worth. Till next time, keep laughing, folks. Good night. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.